It's the Blues Rock Show with Pete Francis and Willie Witten. Welcome to the Blues Rock Show. I'm Pete Francis, joined by Willie Witten. Today, our guest is Eddie Ninevolt, who just released a new album this summer, Little Black Flies. Eddie, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, man. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk to you guys, man. Thanks for having me. So, Eddie, one of the things I want to talk about is your sound. And you definitely have kind of an old school sort of sound. And I think if people hear you, they would be kind of surprised because you're a pretty young guy. So where does that sound come from? Man, you know, I, I, I wish I had this nice story. You know, I grew up in, in, you know, South Alabama and did session work in Muscle Shoals. But man, I started out being a, a metal drummer. I was in a metal band when I was in sixth grade. Then I moved up to a, 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 a 50s cover rock band. Then I was a folk band. And it wasn't until um, I was, I think, 14, I saw a, a video of Highland Wolf. And, um, and man, I tell you, just hearing the blues like that and the stripped down sound of nothing you know, overproduced, I've always, A, knew that that's easier to achieve than trying to sound like Christina Aguilera, you know. And I've always been interested in trying to sound, as they say, you know, old school. But uh, just doing it that approach as well, you know, just doing everything live in, in the room and, and just letting, you know, the tubes get hot and everything. That's always been my approach to making music and recording music. So besides the people you were listening to, did you have any influences? I know on this latest album and your previous, your brother Lane Kelly is your producer. Mm -hmm. Is your musical influence, your upbringing, does that come from the family? Does it come from your brother or did you get it somewhere else? Funny enough, man, uh, we come from a very non-musical family. Um, we, my grandma, my great grandma played organ in the church, but she was very anti-blues. She's very, you know, you know, uh, Christian. And uh, which is weird because I found a Jimmy Reed record in her collection, but that's a whole nother story. Um, but uh, but yeah, we had no, you know, my uncle will say he was a fraternity, you know, guitar player. He he uh, he was good enough to play a few chords, but he was mainly good at talking in front of people. And we would we would have these, uh, you know, get togethers and cookouts and fish fries and stuff down at my uh, grandparents farm where I actually made a little uh, excuse me, left my soul in Memphis. But uh and he, I would kind of watch him how he would just come off the cuff and, and, and say, you know, make up lyrics. And that went a lot into Little Black Flies. It was, you know, a lot of it was made up lyrics on the spot, just of years and years of practicing and playing in, in, at live venues. But uh, it was it was mainly just going out and uh, YouTube was a big influence. So it was, I, it's like the best of what do you call it? Encyclopedia for musicians, honestly. Growing up, Eddie, did any of your friends listen to this type of music, blues? No, man. So, you know, I, I eventually I didn't found think some so. Kids. Yeah, I eventually found some kids my age, you know, kids, I'd say. But, you know, now we're all old. But, uh, um, you know, I remember all my friends were going to uh, to school in their jacked up trucks with listening to rap and country. And I had a 98 Ford Explorer that barely worked. And I was I remember the only CD that I had that would work in the car was uh, uh, Hollow Wolf's London Sessions. And, I, and, you know, I would be running in, listening to, you know, uh, I can't think of the song right now, but, uh, but, uh, and people would just be looking at me like, what are you doing? And then my car broke down. So I had to go back on the bus. <laughs> that was one week I got to dodge school. That's not bad. That's pretty good. So this, this sound, and we'll talk about more when we get to the album. Why is it that you're drawn to that sound? And I'm not talking so much about the blues itself, you know, mm -hmm. the ethos of the blues I'm talking about because people can record blues in many different ways. There are very clean blues players, very clean blues singers, soul singers, mm -hmm. 
but the sound that you tend to on uh, left my uh, left my soul in Memphis and Little Black Flies, it's very gritty. Yeah, well, Why? that's uh, that's you know it goes back to I you know I could go on a whole another hour conversation of like nerdy you know recording stuff. I get in, get into a lot of lot of cool old stuff. You know I can't really afford much. You know I got a few old compressors and stuff back here, but uh, you know I I find. I don't know. You hear those old records and a lot of people, you know, when they first came out, a lot of it wasn't distorted. You know, a lot of it was, you know, when it was hitting the, the tape deck and all that. That's where the distortion comes from is hitting the tape hard. And, uh, you know, when they were, you know, actually tracking this stuff back in the day, it was clean. You know, over time, you know, you, you, you copy the tape, you copy the tape, you copy the tape. It gets kind of distorted. And um, and that's what we kind of, you know, a lot of people, they hear the, the, they, the they hear the distortion and the saturation. And that's what they think old school. And, um, and, you know, nowadays with all the, we, I mean, we got, you know, the computer and everything, we have so many, so many just um, things, you know, you can do and just with the press of a button. But I try, I try to do it more organically, if that makes sense. Um, like I try to do, you know, I, if I need a reverb sound, instead of using a fake reverb in the, in the box, as they say, I'll run my vocals through my old uh, super reverb amp and I'll use the reverb out of that. And I, I just go for weird and wacky sounds. And, you know, I'm, I'm always just trying to do different stuff and, you know, miking different stuff and everything. Yeah. So when you talk about technology, not only in the studio, there's a different music technology aspect in today's world. And that really is that streaming, live streams, the mm -hmm. advent of social media. You already mentioned you grew up learning some things from YouTube. Yeah. In general, and I know this is a hard question because there's pros and cons of both, but in general, do you think that this big technology burst is a good or bad thing for the music industry or which segments are and which aren't? Um, it's, it's kind of a push pull thing. It's funny. I'm looking at YouTube right now. I'm re I'm resoldering a base. I'm looking at how to do that for stuff like that, man. I mean, YouTube was a great tool where if I didn't have all those videos of Magic Sam and Muddy Waters at, you know, Newport 1960, if I didn't have that, you know, I don't know if I would have, you know, found all the, the, you know, artists that are trying to do it like, you know, like me. And, you know, there's so many great artists. So I will say use technology as a, as a, not, don't use it as a crutch, use it as a learning tool to find new people and learn how to, you know, I've seen plenty of YouTube videos of, of how, uh, you know, to record certain things in a certain way and stuff like that. And so, I mean, you know, with streaming, I've, in, in one sense, it's made it easier. In one sense, it's made it a lot harder. And one thing that I've realized in the last uh, month is I've sold more vinyl, uh, you know, I've sold more vinyl than I have almost, you know, and uh, uh, CDs for sure. And uh, I mean, we almost, it's, so there's always going to be this, this need for genuine product, genuine genuine feel and just aesthetic and all that i mean because you know that's the hard part about putting out an album is you know that's why i did a total different spotify sequence versus what's on my cds and vinyl on spotify you know everyone's attention span is like so quick so i have all the best songs for you know you know boom 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 on the on the record you know you kind of have it a more uh old-fashioned way where you know you have a good a side and then a b side but it's all it's all different, man. It's all changing. You just got to be able to hop on the saddle and be able to ride it for a while, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah. So if you had the choice of having streaming or not having streaming, what would you choose? You know, I don't know, man. I, if I, I wish 
it's a double-edged sword, man, because there's a lot of people that found out about me from Spotify and iTunes and all that. And, you know, if I said, oh, I wouldn't want to do streaming, there'd be a lot of fans that, you know, wouldn't see me. There's been a lot of fans recently come from, you know, podcasts like, you know, Theo Vaughn uh, was a famous comedian. He's shout. He's been uh, playing my record and stuff. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I wish I could go back. You know, people say, well, what would you wish you could go back? What year? I wish I could go back to the 20s, man, be a musician in the 20s. <laughs> like during Prohibition, that had to be crazy, man. Like, because that, that's, you know, there was the record players weren't loud enough. So you had to hire, a, you know, bands, which is kind of funny now because, you know, in the last five years, we started doing these house shows. And in a sense, it's kind of like the 20s again. And, uh, you know, these, uh, you know, pre-COVID and after COVID of just all these house parties that are slam packed with people just walking around with cosmopolitans. It's weird. It's a fun. I, I got stories, but I don't know if I can share them. Though. <laughs> but uh, maybe another day. You know, yeah, that sounds fair. I'd like to talk a little bit about Little Black Flies, your most okay. recent album, your second full-length LP. And the first thing I want to get into, I hadn't thought of it before because it never crossed my mind. What is the track rundown on the vinyl, if you don't mind sharing it? Because you just mentioned that they're not the same. Yeah, man, I, I wish I had one in front of me. Uh, they're all in the back. And off. Well, what but, are the um... big changes? But big changes, basically, Little Black Fly starts off the record, obviously. It's it's my favorite song. It's a lot of people's favorite song. Um, and uh, I think Doll Me Around comes in next. It's just a different uh, lot, uh, you know, track list. Um, and then back in the day, you know, when you had an album, you had the first song on the A side good and the first side on the B side good. Because, you know, if, if, if that person, if the record was good enough for somebody to flip it over, you, you better make you know, the first track on B side good, too. And um, so the, I think on the B side of that one's 3 a.m. in Chicago, which, yeah. you know, was honestly taking off bigger than a Little Black Flies on uh, Spotify, which is crazy, which I'm, I'm proud of either way, though. We were having a conversation right before we came on. I was telling Willie that was my favorite track from the album. Yeah, man. Uh, 3 a.m. in Chicago is, is a is an old, old song. You know, a lot of these songs I, I work here and I do everything. You know, we did the record even right. I was standing right, right here when I was singing. Um, you know, we all did it in this little tiny living room. And um, but I demoed a lot of stuff. And, you know, I, I have so many demo tracks and then I go back and listen to it. And then I call the band in. you know, we listen to it. We learn it. We track it. Um, but 3 a.m. in Chicago was one of my favorite earlier on. Probably the first three songs that I wrote that I was like, this is this is, uh, you know, a good one out of the bunch. And um, yeah, if you listen, to, I, I was listening to a lot of uh, Syl Johnson, like a lot of uh, Memphis style stuff. And um the funny story about the three uh, three AM in Chicago, it kind of takes off a, tur a, a turn. The uh, first like five lyrics is about like an acid trip, and uh, and then, it, then I don't know why it turns to this like uh, you know uh, you know stuff about America and, and poverty and stuff. But yeah, if you re read about it, it's uh, the the ground it shakes, the hills they breathe, the sun it burns, both my knees. I was getting a sunburn, you know, just watching <laughs> the earth move. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but that, that's one of my favorite tracks. I mean. All right, so as long as you mention that, uh, I'd like to then talk about another enhanced track, as we'll call it, uh, okay. Columbus Zoo Blues. I found that track to be one of my favorites. I found it to be humorous and a great insight. I'm assuming then this was also born out of an actual experience at the Columbus Zoo? Exactly right, man. So uh, before my girlfriend moved down from Ohio, um, I, I would drive up there and uh, you know she was working and all that. and. And her brother, me and her brother were just sitting around the house and we're like, what are we going to do all day, man? And uh, somebody said, go to the Columbus Zoo. And, you know, we're like, sure. We, we, we thought we we're going to go get baked and go to the Columbus Zoo and, you know, we're going to have a great time. 
And, uh, but no, literally, I mean, the song is literally describing what happened. You know, we have one of those uh, pins and I'm not, I'm not encouraging anybody to do anything, but I had one of them pins and we walked in there and, you know, we thought, oh, this is going to be so fun. But the first thing we saw was this uh, seal just going around and around this little tank. Just a, and then the cheetah was running, you know, wearing a rut in the ground around the fence yeah. in this little pin. And it really hit us hard. We like got back in the car, like, you know, you know, we weren't crying or anything, but we we're like, holy crap. Just to look at those animals faces and all that. And I was I'm always looking for stuff to sing about. And, uh, you know, instead of singing about a woman treating you wrong on a slow blues, I was like, let's sing about the animals. <laughs> But uh, I like that track, though. Uh, so you put out this record with Roof Records, the first album on Roof Records. How did you mm -hmm. kind of connect it with them? Oh, man. So when I I had I had just made Little Black Flies, I, I was, or excuse me, I get those mixed up. I, I need to stop naming my albums with L's. But uh, left my song in Memphis. I was, I, had, I was living at my grandparents' farm. And I was trying to get that record out on a, on a label before I released it. Tinsley Ellis, uh, who's a great artist on Alligator Records, was trying to get me on Alligator. And um, Bruce Iglauer, amazing, you know, he's got a, 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 a crazy lineage of himself, you know, just of amazing we art. We just had artist. him and, on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he's got a new album out. I, you know, I love that guy. I've never met him or talked to him. He's, he's a genius. But uh, he didn't want to sign me because of my record. Like you guys saying, it sounded, it sounded dirty. It sounded, you know, uh, 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 distorted. And uh, but uh, so I was sitting on a um, sitting on the uh, the dam on, on my grandparents lake with an old typewriter, just, you know, figuring whatever's going to work, you know, and uh, I would handwrite letters to uh, the radio stations. And I can only afford to send, I think, 50 uh, radio stations like CDs. And uh, and then the record label owners, I did. Um, I typed out a letter to uh, Bruce Iglauer and uh, Thomas Roof and um I sent him a CD of uh, Left My Soul in Memphis and um, he, he emailed me back immediately and said, I'm, I'm going to fly over and catch you. This is right before the pandemic. So um, so he called. He came over on like a Thursday night. I was like, dude, there's not going to be anyone here since it's Thursday and like everyone's staying home now. But he came over and he said he wanted to sign me because Bruce didn't. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so he goes, if Bruce doesn't sign you, then I am. So he goes, that's a good thing. So but it's been a it's been amazing amazing ride man you know like i said if, if i was doing this on my own i wouldn't be able to i wouldn't be talking to you guys man so i've it's been a, it's been an amazing uh, team effort and i'm just proud to be a part of it what's well, next there you go any what's final thoughts you? you want to add about the album before we let you go uh yeah man if you want just support me uh you know like i said uh, uh on, for the billboard every every album that you buy you know every every uh you know song you buy goes to the billboard and goes to all these charts man so just Go buy vinyl. Uh, I'm telling you, it's a different experience. I'm not going to say it sounds better or worse, but it's definitely a lot cooler to listen to it on vinyl. But uh, yeah, come out to a show. I just saw, uh, got to on a new booking agency, uh, Crossover Touring, and they are, you know, we're already doing some shows for Samantha Fish, Tommy Castro. Uh, we're doing some shows with uh, Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band coming up. Um, so it's going to be a lot of great. Just make sure you follow me and, uh, and keep up with me and uh, enjoy the ride, man. It's awesome. Well, Eddie, congratulations on the album and thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hey guys, thank you all for having me. Seriously. Uh, sorry. I was a little late, but uh, I'm glad I did it. it was, uh, you guys are, you know, like I said, I appreciate everything, man. All right. That's going to wrap up this week's edition of the blues rock show for Eddie Ninevolt and Willie Witten. I'm Pete Francis. We'll see you next time. <laughs>